In tonight, I'm going to talk about peripheral arterial disease. In particular, I'm going to focus on general description of the disease, but also on the major uh, cardiac uh, and limb events, in the, because it is a very common disease, and we really uh, need to be more effective in treating our patients with PAD. And I don't have any conflicts of interest. In, at the end of this lecture, uh, I hope that we will be able to be more familiar with the definition of the epidemiology of peripheral arterial disease, and to also become updated with the current diagnostic criteria for peripheral artery disease diagnosis, and to gain knowledge on the clinical presentation, the natural, natural history, clean and cardiovascular outcomes of patients with peripheral artery disease. Now, we, uh, I will talk, as I mentioned, uh, on the definition and epidemiology, on the clinical presentation, on limb outcomes, and then on the cardiovascular outcomes. Now, uh, lower extremity peripheral artery disease refers to atherosclerotic disease of the aortoiliac, femoropopliteal, and infrapopliteal arterial segments. And we can see from the aorta to the ilia and the femoral and the popliteal arteries and the arteries below the popliteal. And uh, atherosclerosis uh, of the lower extremity is a a definition that we are going to use, but we need to keep in mind that atherosclerosis is a systemic process, meaning that affects the whole body. And we need to keep that in mind because atherothrombosis, which is the dreaded complication that leads to heart attacks, strokes, and the, the limb events, is a process that occurs throughout the body. Now, uh, the epidemiology of peripheral artery disease uh, started with the concept that uh, the disease is the presence of symptoms. And so the initial epidemiological studies uses, used the presence of leg pain uh, that was associated with walking, what was uh, called the, and still called the intermittent complication. And this was the marker of PAD. However, a large proportion of patients with peripheral artery disease, including some with moderately severe disease, do not report these typical symptoms of uh, peripheral artery disease, this pain in the legs. And this is because reporting of leg pain can be influenced by several factors other than the severity of peripheral artery disease, such patients' level of activity. Oftentimes, I see patients who are using mobility devices because they have uh, really uh, severe osteoarthritis. And of course they cannot walk because of pain in the legs from that. And they cannot even trigger the symptoms of peripheral artery disease because of the level of activity is not sufficient. So we needed better ways to define peripheral artery disease beyond the symptoms. And since the 1950s, the measurement of blood pressure at the ankle was proposed as a test for peripheral artery disease. And this led to the development of the ankle brachial index. And you can see here that the ankle brachial index is a simple ratio between the blood pressure at the level of the dorsum of the foot, or at the level of the ankle, versus the pressure at the level of the arm. Now, the blood pressure should be about the same, if not higher, at the level of the leg than as at the level of the arm. If this is not the case, this ratio will be 
lower, and then ankle brachial index of equal to or less than 0 0.90 is now used as the definition uh, of peripheral artery disease. Using this definition, peripheral artery disease of the lower extremity is a highly prevalent and underdiagnosed disease. In the US alone, peripheral artery disease affects about 8.5 million people uh, from the age of 40 and above, and this leads to a significant uh, uh, occurrence of morbidity, meaning complications and mortality. Unfortunately, the uh, worst outcome possible. In peripheral artery disease is uh, getting more and more uh, prevalent uh, with aging. So, the, if we consider an age of 65 years and above, between 12 and 20 percent of Americans, one in five, have peripheral artery disease. However, peripheral artery disease knows no borders. The whole world is affected. And as we can see here, about uh, it, it, the uh, prevalence of peripheral artery disease is similar in high income and low and middle income country and countries, and this is uh, for men and women. In, in 2010, about 200 million people were living in PAD uh, in the world, and about 70% of them were in low or middle income, income countries. Also, PAD is becoming more and more common and we have seen a very disturbing trend. So in the decade between 2001 and 2010, the number of people with peripheral artery disease increased by about 13% in high-income countries, including the United States, and about three times as much, about 30%, in low-income and middle-income countries. And this is due to a number of uh, factors that influence the uh, occurrence of the disease. Now, what are these risk factors that predispose to the development of peripheral artery disease? As peripheral artery disease is a manifestation of atherothrombosis, the same risk factors that cause uh, the formation of plaques in the heart or in the uh, neck circulation are going to be affecting the risk of uh, uh, blockages in the vessels of the legs. So it's aging is one of the major the presence of diabetes, the presence of hypertension, uh, high cholesterol, or abnormal lipids that can be uh, present in patients with diabetes, for instance, smoking, and chronic kidney disease. However, peripheral artery disease has some specific uh, manifestations and has some specific risk factors that are stronger than others. And we can see here that aging, diabetes, and smoking are the three, three factors that are st most strongly associated with peripheral artery disease. Uh, every decade of uh, aging increases the risk of one point, uh, up to one and a half to two times. And diabetes or smoking, each one independently increases the risk of PAD by approximately three times. Now, how do patients with PD present? Now, the typical clinical manifestation of PAD is an intermittent fabrication, as, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, which in Latin means to live. 
And claudication is usually described as this pain or aching or cramping of the calf, uh, but it can occur in the thighs, uh, in the buttocks, that occurs when walking. And usually it goes away when the patient stops. And within a few minutes, and we're not talking about hours, just five minutes or less. Now, if a patient, if we consider all patients who present with peripheral artery disease, we can see the typical manifestation, the claudication, is only present in up to 30%. About uh, 20 to 50% have no significant symptoms. About, again, 30% have other form of pain. They may say, well, I have pain when I walk, but it doesn't go away, or I have pain that sometimes occurs uh, without walking. And now, a, a small proportion of patients present as a first manifestation with the advanced form of peripheral artery disease that is called critical limb ischemia. But the important ins, uh, concept is that even when asymptomatic, patients with PAD have a significant impairment in their functional capacity. And also they can move much less uh, than uh, normal, than people without peripheral artery disease. And their functional decline is much worse and faster than those who uh, don't have peripheral artery disease. As I mentioned, critical limb ischemia is, uh, is the worst manifestation of peripheral artery disease and is defined as an ischemic rest pain, meaning pain from decreased blood flow, severely decreased blood flow, that can even cause the presence of ulcers or even tissue loss, gangrene, that uh, of tissue. And this is usually associated with the blockages at different levels, you, both in more than one vessel. Now, what happens to patients who have PAD? Patients who are told you have peripheral artery disease. Now, we have abnormal, we have uh, the occurrence of events at the level of the limb that is not receiving blood flow. And if we follow patients after their first diagnosis for five years, about 70-80% will still have stable symptoms, usually those who present with claudication will still have claudication. But some of them will get worse, and they will complain of more symptoms with less exercise. And about 5-10% of them will progress to the uh, most advanced form of, critical, of peripheral artery disease, critical limb ischemia. Now, if we look at just patients with critical limb ischemia, when they present they need immediate treatment because their symptoms are severe and they are at high risk of damage uh, to their limbs. And we can see that about 50% will need some form of revascularization, meaning we re need to restore blood flow to prevent bad outcomes. But about a quarter of them is going to be too late and they will lose a limb. And about 25% will be treated uh, su uh, sufficiently well with just medication. But if we take this group and we follow them for just one year, not five, we will see that about a quarter of them will have succumbed to the disease. This is as bad a prognosis as many cancers. About 20%, one in five, will be alive, but 
will have one of their limbs will, uh, will have been amputated. About 20% will still be cons uh, suffering from uh, chronic tissue uh, symptoms, and only about a quarter will be better off. So this is a very severe disease that requires very aggressive treatment. Now, we are talking about a systemic disease. Blockages in the legs are associated with blockages in other vascular districts. What happened to those uh, patients with regards to the other vascular districts? And we can see that at five years, if we have a group of, again, of patients who have peripheral artery disease, about 20% will have suffered with a non-fatal uh, stroke or myocardial infarction. About 10 or 15%, unfortunately, will have passed uh, from their disease. And about 75% will have softer, suffered a fatal uh, cardiovascular event. And about a quarter will have suffer from some other fatal uh, events. These are the data, and I apologize, a little bit of a com sort of complex uh, uh, slide, but these are data from a large epidemiological study that is ongoing in Germany. It's called the GET-ABI study. In, in this study, uh, primary care physicians screen patients for peripheral artery disease. And these are patients that did not go to the hospital. They were just going to see their primary care doctor. And they were followed for several years, and they were looking at what happens uh, to these patients as a group. And also, when we split these patients in those who have symptoms and those who don't have symptoms. And we can see that if, uh, in, in these patients, if we consider the risk of death, all of this, those who have a peripheral artery, no, no peripheral artery disease, are considered as the reference group, the ones that are the normal ones. But then, when we look at patients who have PAD as a group, as a total group, there is a risk of a death that is about 76% higher. If we split them between those who have no symptoms and those who have symptoms, we see that there is a slight difference, but when we compare this difference, there is really no difference. So those who have PAD have higher risk of uh, death, and whether you have symptoms or not, your risk is pretty much the same. This applies also with regards to death from cerebrovascular events, known as a stroke. So patients who have PAD have about three times higher risk of a stroke. And this difference is not significant when we consider patients who have no symptoms versus those who have symptoms. Again, symptoms is not really a marker of the risk associated with peripheral artery disease. And also when we look at cardiovascular events known as heart attacks, in the deadly heart attacks, same concept. Twice the risk if you have PAD, and about twice the risk whether you are asymptomatic or asymptomatic. This is a different sort of way to uh, depict the same uh, concept. 
patients who don't have a diagnosis of PAD after five years, the majority of them will be alive. But if we look at those who have asymptomatic PAD, they will not be close uh, to those who don't have PAD. And those who have symptomatic PAD will be even worse off. And also, when we look at the ABI, which is a marker of the severity, the lower the ABI, the worse the severity of the disease, we can see that the lower the ABI, the worse the risk of not being alive at five years is. Now, I mentioned that with uh, PAD, there is about three times risk of stroke. In a, in a different analysis from the uh, uh, atherosclerosis risk in community studies shows that the prevalence of preclinical carotid plaque increases with decreasing ABI levels. So if you have more uh, plaques in the legs, you also have more plaque in the carotid. In, with patients who have an ABI less than 0.90, the definition of PAD, are more than four times as likely to have a stroke or TAA as those with ABI, so uh, of a normal ABI. So this uh, study gives even worse risk of a stroke uh, in patients who have PAD. And this data demonstrates the low ABI levels, particularly when it is less than 0.90, is associated with carotid atherosclerosis and its complications. Now, what are our take-home points? Lower extremity PAD is a common manifestation of atherosclerosis whose prevalence increases with age. The prevalence is increasing worldwide and will continue to grow in the next decade. And this will put a high burden on our healthcare systems worldwide. The diagnosis of PAD is done with the ABI, which is a simple non-invasive test based on blood pressure measurements in the arms and in the ankles. Patients with PAD, even when asymptomatic, have significantly increased rates of cardiovascular ischemic events, including myocardial infarction, stroke, and cardiovascular death. In patients with severe PAD, both an increased risk of cardiovascular events and adverse limb events, including need for urgent revascularization and major amputation. And with this, I uh, thank you for your attention.